Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you all. Us Days at U.S. Cellular. Exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers could get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Visit uscellular.com for terms and restrictions. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Woo! Hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to To Be The Man, but the man himself, ladies and gentlemen, the Hall of Famer, the greatest of all time, the nature boy, Ric Flair. Rick, how are you, man? Good morning. I'm great. I'm elated. The time, I'm elated. The, I, I the, hope we're both the, the time, the, the, the time frame and the date has been announced for Finding Flair. Woo! <laughs> Not sure we found him yet. he may never be found well uh i think what we found is the trailer and if you missed it if you weren't watching monday night raw or maybe you didn't see it on social uh we're gonna go ahead and uh, play the trailer for the brand new peacock documentary that comes out monday december 26th the day after christmas so if santa doesn't bring you what you wanted uh, old saint rick did Let's uh, let's take a look at this new trailer for the brand new documentary on Peacock. Nature Boy here. So happy to announce the Woo! Becoming Ric Flair, Peacock's newest, hottest, original documentary will air December 26th, featuring the Nature Boy, Hulk Stone Cold. Never seen before footage of Ric Flair's rise to fame in the WWE. December 26th, Peacock. Woo! Becoming Ric Flair. Got it. Becoming Ric Flair. Coming your way. Man, you uh, you worked on this over the summer, and uh, I think Tom Rinaldi was involved. And man, this yes. was quite a production. What can we expect? Uh, it's actually the most accurate depiction of me. Um, uh, the best way to put it, it, it blows my 30 for 30 away. And people like that, and some people were entertained by it. Some weren't. But I think majority of people that saw it were. This is much better. So, I mean, and, 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 and it's really up to date um, because of my health issues and stuff like that that, that I've you know, gone through. So it's it's really cool. I'm, I'm proud. And uh, these guys, Dan and um, Ben, worked so hard on it. Tom Rinaldi, I mean, he's a big deal with Fox. It's a big deal. The whole thing in the production, um, I'm, I'm thrilled about it. I'm just very excited. 
It is a big deal. And I'm excited about it too. I can't wait to see it. Uh, do you know the runtime yet? Is it an hour, two hours, hour and two a hours, two hours. Okay. So it's, it's, a, it's, it's long. Yeah. Make plans to get, get a lot of liquor. Oh, wow. Okay. Or, 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 or some Ric Flair drip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who are we? Uh, who are we kidding? We're here today to tell you everybody about Ric Flair uh, there's lots of fun stuff over there. So I don't want you to think that it's just about marijuana. Now there is a good chance that the marijuana is in your state, but how about a lighter? How about a grinder? How about some stickers? How about a rolling tray? How about some rolling papers? It's all available right now at rickflairdrip.com. Uh, so if you haven't already check it out, they got even some cool merch over there at rickflairdrip.com. But the documentary, man, yeah, and the, cool. and, the, and the key thing is selling off the selling off the turret, off the off the can't keep them on the shelves. That's a good thing. I get yeah, I get I, a, a detailed report like every seven days, and it's it's really it's really doing very well. I'm really proud of it, and th- and thankful for Chad Bronstein. Absolutely, shout out to Chad. If you enjoy marijuana, be Ad, sure to look Adam for Styles, Aristotle. I don't want anybody out. They've all had a big part of it. Big, Take a look. They've all had a big part to do it. Uh, have all had a big part in the in it uh, in the success of the brand. So be sure to look for Ric Flair Drip in your area. In the meantime, though, even if you don't necessarily partake in marijuana, who doesn't like some cool Ric Flair collectibles? These stickers are pretty cool, man. And uh, the, a lighter—I don't know that the Ric Flair's ever had a lighter and a grinder and a rolling tray and the T-shirt. Something for everybody. RicFlairDrip.com. The documentary though, man, you, uh, you said on here before you just, uh, you let it all hang out. You didn't pull any punches. And that sort of implies that all the interviews and, and documentaries about, cause this isn't the first time we've seen this. Like I think WWE did a documentary on you for the first time, like 20 years ago. And then they did a horseman one a few years later. And then of course we got the 30 for 30. So there's been several Ric Flair quote unquote documentaries along the way. But this one maybe is the first time that you're sort of unfiltered completely and just totally, yeah, totally. And they they didn't harness me at all. They didn't edit as they promised. They wouldn't edit, and it's it's spot on. I'm 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 I'm. It's emotional. There's a lot about about Reed in it. Um, even footage I hadn't seen of Reed. So. Um, Ashley's in it a lot. Megan's in it a lot. Wendy's in it a lot. I mean, it, it's Taker's in it. Steve Hulk. I mean George Kittle. I mean it, it's 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 got a lot of do people. Stephen A. Smith really really put me over. And uh, you know it's it's one thing to have people in the business put you over. It's the people on the outside that think that you've accomplished something that means just as much. Can't wait to see it. Make your uh, plans right now. It's going to be Monday, December 26th, the day after Christmas. It's uh, the gift that keeps on giving the, uh, the gift of the nature boy. Today's episode Ooh. is going to be a fun one because uh, Rick likes to bounce around and talk a little bit about this, a little bit about that. And we're going to do that today. Let's jump right into it. We got a great question from wrestling study podcast. He wants to know, what are your memories of the vignette of you in the mental hospital in WCW? It was April 26, 1999. I think a lot of people remember that silliness. You there with your robe strutting around. Yeah. Was that a fun shoot? What can you tell us about that skit? Um, 
Well, uh, Kevin Nash gave me that, and uh, Kevin was booking, and, and uh, you know, I just made the best of it. That, that's all I can say. So you, you know, didn't mind? I didn't mind at all. I mean, I mean <laughs> let me tell you something. Uh, as, as opposed to being buried in the desert, well, yeah, or, or having my head shaved by Russo and Bischoff, um, yeah, it was really, it was, I much preferred this as opposed to that, I can tell you. And Scott Hall was in it, it was, it was entertaining. But, um, I've, I've done, I've certainly been through a lot worse, I can tell you that. Bischoff and, uh, Jim Hurd and, oh God, you know, just not to change the subject, but you know how the social media just follows you around. I heard Arn talking about the Black Scorpion and all that. Did you see that? No, I missed that. That 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 aren't uh, aren't like the black square. What was I missed his take? What was his? Oh, take? He, he said it was the shits, and it was. But yeah. there's nothing. There's nothing that I do that's the shits are. <laughs> <laughs> and, and by the way, the the outfit you said looked like shit. That robe I spent four grand on. It was made by Olivia. It was a deal put together by Herd and Al Perez. Uh, Al Perez was supposed to be uh, this black the scorpion. He backed, he backed out, as you know, history of the business. He forgot to mention that. And uh, her didn't like Arn any better than he liked me. The difference is Arn didn't have to cut his hair and wear a earring. And uh, that night, uh, I had, did have the, the ability to make the call. Uh, I took one for the team. If you think I like to lay in underneath that ring in St. Louis, a building I sold out no less than 30 times as the NWA champion. The 10 years difference in our age that Arn doesn't understand. Ron Wrestling, Gene Kaniski, Terry Funk, Dory Funk, Jack Briscoe, Ted DiBiase. The, I mean, name it. If there was somebody in wrestling, big Murdoch, Dick the Bruiser, I wrestled in there. Brody, Hanson. That's the 10 years difference in our age that he doesn't understand. That was the most humiliating thing I've ever been through in my life. Tony Schiavone can tell you how I conducted myself afterwards. But I'm never the shit, just so you know. <laughs> I mean, I, FYI. I, I admit I missed the quote, but I can't imagine a scenario where Aaron called you the shits. No, no, the gimmick, not me. Yeah, not, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the gimmick. But the gimmick me was being me. But like I say, there was so much going on back then. You know, Arn. I don't know. You know, Arn was a great wrestler. I was a great wrestler. Her didn't like us. Right. I don't think he liked anybody that could work. Right. So it was Arn and Barry against Doom, or it was me and Arn against Doom, and and a better tag team was Barry and Arn, which I'll give them credit for all day long. And by the way, Barry's having bad health issues right now, as you know. Have you talked to uh, to Barry or anyone in his family? I, I have not, but I'm going to go see him this afternoon. I just oh, found right. out about it last night. He had a massive heart attack. And he's in Atlanta, right? No, I think he's in, in Tampa. Oh, okay. I, I, actually, Joe Gomez is finding out right now. Wow. Okay. Either, in, either in Tampa or Orlando. Well, I know that uh, as, as the way I understood it, I think he had the heart attack uh, in Atlanta, but hopefully he's been moved. I mean, that would be great if he was back. Oh, he had, he, he had it in Atlanta? I, I, I didn't. How, how, how I didn't hear about that, I have no idea. Uh, it actually happened on Friday, but I don't think it came out until Monday. Um, I just heard it last night. My God. No, it's just, uh, just terrifying. I mean, he's one of the greatest talents that ever, ever, ever. It's a name that just seems to get forgotten because 
Barry just kind of dropped off the face of the earth, did his own thing, didn't really care, you know. And uh, but as far as talent, man, I, I can't think of too many guys with as much all-around talent as him. Really, and I'm talking about a lifetime. And I'm sorry that I don't drop his name more often when we're talking about great wrestlers because he was great, as was Arn. And they were, at that night, a much better team than me. I never was a really good tag team wrestler, but that's probably because I spent 99% of my career as a single. So I took one for the team, and Barry and Iron went out and stole it with, uh, with Doom. I want to recommend uh, everybody go out of their way to see Barry Windham versus Ric Flair. If you haven't already, uh, it's from Battle of the Belts 2. They wrestled several times, but Battle of the Belts 2, which was on Valentine's Day, 1986, which coincidentally is the day you debuted the big gold belt, was one of maybe, if not the best, hour of wrestling on television that Dave Meltzer ever saw. That's the way he described it when he talked about the match. It's the best one hour of wrestling television in America of all time, maybe the best. And he even called it one of the best of the decade. And it's maybe uh, off the beaten path because it happened in Florida. It didn't happen for Jim Crockett promotions or the NWA or WWE or whatever you want to call it. Go out of your way. Battle of the belts to Valentine's day, 1986. What do you, um, what do you think made Barry such a special in-ring performer? We hear people throw around terms like timing and he was a natural and he was always in the right place at the right time. Well, he was six foot six. He was six, six. Um, and, uh, you know, I remember going to watch Barry. Well, number one, his his dad is black Jack Mulligan. So he grew up in a wrestling family and, uh, Jack and I were best friends, and Jack and I lived next door to each other. So I watched Barry grow up. I went and watched him play football in high school. And he just one of those guys that was just such a natural. You know, it's like <clears throat> a lot of people don't realize this, but Lawrence Taylor <clears throat> did not work out. You know that? No, I did not know that. He, he, he didn't live. I mean, he didn't spend his day in the, in the weight room. Right. He worked out, obviously, but he didn't spend his life in the weight room. Just so much natural ability. And Barry was the same way. <clears throat> Barry could drink all night, <clears throat> drive a car 130 miles an hour, which he liked to do, wrestle all night and get up and do it the next day. I mean, he was that good an athlete, that good a performer. And, you know, like I said, uh, that night with Iron, they stole this. They stole it. They absolutely did. And by, by that mean, I, I will say this. Sting did not steal the show by any means, but I, I'm never the shits. <laughs> the, the, the Black Scorpion might be the shits, but I am never the shits. I would agree with that. I think everybody agrees with that. Uh, if you haven't already, go check out Mary Wyndham's. And, and like I said, ask Shivani what that night was like in a hotel after me being in that box for five hours waiting to pop out. <laughs> Good Lord. Dick the Bruiser rolled over in his grave that day. <laughs> go look for um, Barry Windham's GoFundMe if you haven't already. You can just go to GoFundMe.com, type in Barry Windham. Uh, unfortunately, when Barry had this heart attack this past Friday, he did not have medical insurance. So he's got uh, 
a, a long road to recovery and, and we're certainly pulling for him and thoughts and prayers certainly count. And we need those prayer warriors out there to make sure that he pulls through and is, is much better off on the other side. But even if he is, he's apparently going to have a mountain of bills and, uh, man, that's something he shouldn't have to worry about. So type no. in gofundme.com in your browser and, uh, just look for Barry Wyndham and you'll see right there, the donation to, uh, or the Barry Wyndham's GoFundMe. And, uh, Rick, man, you know, a thing or two about medical bills. Uh, you had quite a scare just over five years ago. Uh, and you've told me privately before that, Hey, uh, you had coverage to a point, but after that you were kind of out of pocket, right? Well, I, I had Medicare and, uh, it only had, I had plan a, not plan B and plan a only went to, and I just went to about eight or 900,000 and my hospital bills were 1.3 million. Wow. And knowing that I had to go back in. You certainly got to pay the hospital and the doctors. You know what I mean? Right. So, um, I just, uh, you know, we just, we dug it, we dug it out. We had to, but I had to go back in and have four more surgeries. As you know, I think Megan was there for almost all of them for the heart surgeries. And then, um, then I had to go in for the big, the big, big one, which was reversal on the stoma, um, which they waited about a year for it to happen, right? And um, they just wanted to give it more time to heal. And, um, you know, I told you the story. First day went by, second day, third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day, seventh day. Doctor comes in, pokes me in the stomach, said, soon, soon. On the ninth day, he told Wendy, unbeknownst to me, if we don't, if it doesn't work in the morning, then, um, um, we're gonna have to put the bag back on. So when he didn't tell me, I'll be damned. If I didn't wake up in the morning on the tenth day and it worked. Wow. So uh, every time I count my blessings, I can't count them enough. Yeah, no kidding. No, I mean absolutely too much. I'm I'm, I'm the luckiest son of a bitch alive. Can you believe it? It's finally here. It's the most wonderful time of the year, unless you get stressed out about how to pay for it. SaveWithConrad.com can help you make this the best Christmas ever. You won't make a house payment for the next two months. That's right. Skip your next two house payments and use all that cash for your extra holiday expenses. And come next year, you're going to have a lower monthly payment. Don't put Christmas on a credit card. Pay your credit card debt off at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. SaveWithConrad.com. Well, nobody's going to argue that, uh, speaking of luck, you had some good luck that Sean Berkey has a question about. He wants to know of your 16 title reigns. Did you have a favorite of them all? Um, gosh, it would have had to have been a time during the, um, the four horsemen era, which was just so great. Um, I guess, you know, when I was wrestling dusty and Harley and, uh, all those guys, uh, the Von Erics, I was probably at my best back then. So, um, after Starcade, after the first Starcade, so like we'll call it 84, that era. Yeah. Yeah. I, when I first won the title 81, I wish you've heard me tell you, I wasn't ready. I thought I was. Right. But I had wrestled nothing but good wrestlers from the Mid Atlantic area and I hadn't gone out and, you know, I had to get into, you know, dig into the trenches with guys that didn't know how to work much much better than me and certainly couldn't wrestle an hour. Right. The one thing I could always do is wrestle an hour, but they weren't always, <laughs> is what Dave would call you or you guys, Dave principally, 
they weren't they were far from five star matches. Right. <laughs> negative maybe negative five star. <laughs> but like I said, nothing I do was really the shit. <laughs> Just <laughs> damn that iron. <laughs> Francis Reyes wants to know, you did a UK media tour when you were with TNA. Do you have any memories about it or any takeaways from it? You, you uh, the, uh, UK media for TNA? Did I do a UK tour? I, I did a UK tour with them. I remember there was a little story coming out of that one. Do you want to share that story? Uh, you know, one where I got, where I told my rotator cuff again or, which, or me in the bar. Well, I think there was a, I'm not going, I'm, I'm, I'm off the tour. Oh yeah. I was, uh, <laughs> when, the, when the guy wouldn't give me a draw, <laughs> I said, I've never been. I said, I worked for the WWE my whole life. I've never been anywhere where you can't get a draw. How do you think I get out of the bar? (laughs) 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 This is a foreign country. They might not take my credit card if it's working. (laughs) So what was the, uh, what was the resolution there? I mean, I assume this was a a shouting match at a bar or in a hotel lobby or something like that. No, 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 no shouting match at all. I just, I said, I'm not going. And I'm going home. So it all got fixed. It always does. It's always blowing out of proportion, but I'd absolutely I'll admit to every bit of it. Yeah, I got I was drinking and I'd asked this guy, I can't think of his name, not putting him down at all. But I had never been anywhere where you can't get a draw. Right. Right. I mean usually with WWE, I don't know if they do it anymore. Before you go to Europe they give you a draw. You know what I mean? anticipated and every night every event they gave you a draw right you know and i and that's probably because half of us sometimes myself included my credit card wasn't working or it was bouncing up over the top of the uh over the over the top of the bar <laughs> was this dean broadhead maybe no broadhead was the boss he, he I, I never met dean broadhead but no this is a guy that's worked for the company Okay. He, he was just doing his job. Yeah. <clears throat> but I just truthfully had never, had never anticipated that. And I'll tell you something else, which I was embarrassed about. I mean, and this is nothing, I'm not going back in time and trying to hurt everybody's feelings, but when it was, on those European tours, the, the kids had to share rooms. Right. Are you kidding me? I mean, I had no idea any of this even was, and, and I'm telling this from the bottom of my heart, I had no idea they did that. Who shares rooms? Is if right. it your putting tours aren't hard enough, you have to share a room. I just I I really set myself up to fail. I had fun with those guys. I love seeing Kurt and Sting and AJ and Bobby Roode and um, James Storm. A lot a lot of great guys. They're Jay Lethal, but man, professionally they they, they were doomed. They were doomed. Well, let's talk about some happier times. Chris F. No, no, no. I, I had a good time. Don't misunderstand me. That was just one incident in the, in the UK. I just had never experienced it. How do we put Humpty Dumpty back together again? Who from the company calls you and says, all right, Rick, let's get the band back together. Is it Jeff? Is it Bruce? Is it Dixie? Who calls? Who calls to get me to come there? Yeah. Like when you quit, cause you quit. So yeah. 
How do we get you back to work? Somebody call somebody. Tell me what happened. Bruce called me. Okay. Yeah. And I, and I just, okay, Bruce, you know, I've got nothing but respect for Bruce. Right. Right. He's in my documentary. Bruce knows me better than anybody. Like, like he, Bruce knows me like you know me. You know, so um, um, you know, and, and, and Bruce says, <laughs> when you see Ric Flair, he ain't. He, it's not a gimmick. No, it is it's, not. Ric Flair is not a gimmick. He's <laughs> Ric Flair. <laughs> Thank you, Bruce. <laughs> I'll give you something to wrestle with, Bruce. There <laughs> Rick you go. Flair is not a gimmick. <laughs> well said. <laughs> Let's talk about something silly that I, I even have to admit went over my head. Chris F reminds us during the Jimmy Garvin feud over Precious, Rick cut a promo about what his night with Precious would be like. Yeah. Saying he'd be laying <laughs> on the bed in his quote unquote fever panties. That, Rick, what that, the hell are fever panties? Ask Iron. That's, that's one of Iron's great lines: is fever panties. <laughs> hey, so I have to tell the story that, that you know Iron is incredibly the funniest son of a bitch alive. So yes, we're with we're with our wives, Daytona at the hotel, and and um, Michael Buffer has been, just been hired by the company, and what's it? There, me and Beth and Aaron and Iron and Terry Taylor and his wife. There was his wife had passed, I'm sorry. And I forget who else. Michael Buffer came out in a leopard in a leopard thong, dove in the water and, oh walked, and walked over to the front of us. <laughs> he goes, Hey, I'm Michael Buffer and I'm looking forward to working with you and Arn looked at him and said, Kill yourself, fucker. <laughs> I, 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 I could, well, you can hear him saying it, right? I mean, I'm so witty. Kill yourself, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Standing there in Daytona Beach with a fucking leopard thong. <laughs> Come on. That's quite a visual there, Michael Buffer <laughs> and a leopard thong. Oh, I was dying. Iron is funny. Good Lord. You know, uh, are, do we have any, uh, any leopard thongs or fever paintings for sale over at rickflareshop.com? Because that feels like something we should, we should do. <laughs> I don't call Wendy. We got to work know. on that. I'll, I'll call her recommended. <laughs> By the way, uh, if you do go to rickflareshop.com, you can get something under the Christmas tree, just in time for that wrestling fan in your life, including a brand new styling and profiling foam trucker hat. And how about this? Have you got the family together on Christmas, Christmas Eve? Well, we, let's do a puzzle. What about a Diamonds Are Forever puzzle or a Mount Rushmore with four Ric Flair heads? All of that and much more over at rickflairshop.com. Something for everybody. I think there's like nearly 100 items over there, maybe more than that. I mean, just the holiday guide along is nearly 100 items. Uh, you got throws and T-shirts and hats and uh, coffee cups and freaking candles. That's right, candles. Something for everybody right now over at rickflareshop.com. And this is the perfect time to go ahead and pick up something for the wrestling fan in your life. Yeah, she's, uh, at, she's, at, she's adding more designs right now as we speak. So check it out, man. Going to be something for everybody there. And just in time for the holidays, uh, Jim Joyce wants to know, does Rick have any memories of working the Atlantic Grand Prix territory? Um, the Atlantic Grand Prix. I, I, that's off my radar. Uh, it's off mine too. Where is that? Is that Canada? Yeah, that's Canada. 
If that's if they, that's Saint John and all that, yeah, I did a, a loop up there. Is that is that Saint John? Um, New Brunswick and all that. Yeah, New Brunswick is where it's headquartered at. Yeah, yeah, I did one loop up there. How was it? It's horrible. <laughs> cold, nothing to do. No cold, nothing to do, and no money. Yeah. I uh, I got to tell you, you've mentioned it a few times, and I thought, man, when did that happen? But at the start of the show, when we're talking about all the matches you had in St. Louis, I thought, I can't imagine you and Gene Kaniski. I mean, that's old school. So I looked it up, and it was uh, April 30th, 1982. Yeah. And it was for the NWA heavyweight title. Of course, yeah. this would have been your first run when you didn't think yeah. you were quite ready at the Keel Auditorium in St. Louis. Two out of three falls. Big Thunder. That's what they called them. Gene Kaniski. I mean, six foot four, 271 pounds, uh, from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. I mean, I, I, I've never seen that match obviously, but it's just hard for me to imagine those styles, but man, you had to do that with everybody, right? Oh God. You, you know, I'll tell you what he did. The giant swing was one of those moves and the St. Louis ring was bigger as you know, than any other rig anyway. And, um, the giant swing is where you, but someone's like, well, like Cesaro does, right? Yes, yes. And he threw me across the ring, you know, it's a huge ring, and he ran and jumped on top of me. And this is the way the old timers talk. He said, Legs it, you dumbass. Now I'm the champion. Right. <laughs> like, I didn't know what he was talking about. <laughs> he was a machine, man. You talk about a guy that could go, though, my God. No, I mean, I wrestled them all. That's that's where sometimes it's not, it's it's not just a joke. It's it's serious stuff. When I talk about you know how embarrassing going back to that damn that uh, stupid thing with Jim Hurd and uh, and the Scorpion thing that Bowley and Jim Hurd, man. I mean, to this day, what were they thinking about? Yeah, it's. Uh... A crazy time in the business for sure, but you had some fun. What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers, offering best in class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Brad Brunson wants to know, oh, any cool stories fun. about Lee Marshall? My father-in-law has some wild stories about partying with him in London in the late 80s. Of course, he was the voice of those uh, segments on Nitro and the voice of uh, the serial. They're great. Tony the Tiger. Uh, any any partying, partying stories with Lee Marshall over the years? I, I, a couple, but nothing that stands out. Nice guy. Uh, Matt wants to know, who on Rick's list of great bleeders on in wrestling, or who's on your list of great bleeders in wrestling? Who looks great with a crimson mask? Of course, we know that you love to uh, uh, yeah. go ahead and get color, if you will. But who else do you think was a master of that art? Dusty, Wahoo, Abdullah, um, Carlos Cologne, Dick uh, Bruiser Brody, Harley Race, Terry Funk, <laughs> and keep going. It was what we did for a living. Do you uh, do you remember the name of the fellow who first showed you 
how it all went down? How to how to make a blade? Yeah. Art Nelson, Roanoke, okay. Virginia. Roanoke, Virginia. He walked up to me and said, Pete Postle was a promoter. He goes, it was a great memory of fresh for a guy that's supposed to be dead. He said, you want to make $50 extra today? I said, yeah, what do I have to do? He said, you have to cut yourself. I said, how do you do that? And Art Nelson made my first blade for me. Wow. I don't think I took it off for 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> I may change it. <laughs> Uh, George Pantas, friend of the show wants to know what moment during the weekend of the Jim Crockett cup tournament in Baltimore in 87, put a smile on your face. Oh, geez. The Crockett cup. Well, I guess the biggest smile on my face was Sabatino's afterwards. Oh, absolutely not. It was the Marriott hotel. <laughs> 18, <laughs> 18 to 28, no boyfriends, no husbands and brother. They were there. We were not we were not a, a guy's soap opera back then. We were the goddamn Rolling Stones. But what I, what what did Brock say in, in my documentary for the last match? Oh, that you guys were rock stars. Uh, we, 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 you were the rock stars we, in that area. Yeah, but Brock, Brock said it best of all. We were rock stars, man. We weren't wrestlers. <laughs> we just were where they pretended to be wrestlers. <laughs> <laughs> Once we got next door, we were the goddamn Beatles, Beast Boys, uh, Elvis, Dion, all combined in one one room. <laughs> what was the uh, what was the best party town in that era? We call it eighty seven. Crockett is riding high after a big nineteen eighty six. Is there one town where you guys knew, man? When we're here, Safari Safari Club. I, I got like clockwork. Safari Club, Baltimore. Sheridan okay. Hotel, plus Sabatino's downtown. Um, the um, I just had it. Um, the Safari Club is fifty six twenty five O'Donnell Street. I guess it's still around. How about that? I don't think so. No. Um, well, it could be, but it was the it was unbelievable club. And then um, and we have uh, we had a limo driver there, Bill. Have him go, go out and get his food from Sabatino's. Um, then, uh, of course, Chicago was number two. And I, I can't name all. Like There was like 10 clubs for us. Snuggery um, was one of them. Snuggery, obviously, uh, was huge. Uh, then for me personally, uh, the, the landing in uh, St. Louis, a uh, place called Kennedy's and all that. I wasn't there with the guys that much, but... <clears throat> As the world champion, I couldn't wait to get to the landing in St. Louis. I literally would go from the from the arena to the landing <clears throat> to East St. Louis to the airport for Atlanta TV Monday. That's <laughs> that. Listen, no, I, no sleepy. <laughs> I've never lived that life, so I don't know what the process is. But I do know there's wrestler etiquette about gear and stuff, and. I know that you travel with a bunch of suits and you got to get that stuff dry clean. So yep. how does all of that happen? I mean, I, I'm, I'm under the impression that a lot of guys take their trunks, put them in the, the hotel bathtub. They've got a process to clean the stuff and dry the stuff, but you're not doing that if you're going straight to the damn bar. So how does all that happen? You want to know what I did? I started like when I came to Tampa, I would leave a wardrobe with Joe Gomez. I had a wardrobe in Atlanta, a wardrobe in Charlotte. Uh, wardrobe in Miami. Well, we parted in Miami pretty hard too. Um, 
And, and, you know, once again, when I say party, I mean, I'm just talking about drinking, raising hell, having fun. I didn't. So you would leave the house with multiple pairs of boots and tights and then just leave some and some clothes in different areas and kid it next time you were in town. Well, I would leave with, uh, uh, depending on the event for a week. Right. But then I would leave like five robes at Joe's house. I got you. And every time I came into Florida, I'd grab a different robe. So I had friends like, and then of course I had my home in Charlotte. Right. And I had in Atlanta, I had the hotel where we all stayed at the, uh, the Renaissance or the Marriott to begin with. Um, and then, um, you know, I was just, I was very conscious. I mean, and I, I've lost a lot of my stuff too. I mean, you know, if you fly as much as we did, I mean, we, you just pray that your, uh, bags make it off the plane. If they're not stolen, you know what I mean? Of all people, I got Ricky Steamboat and I drank so much all the way back from London one time on, on or from, uh, Germany. Um, Lustanza flew into Charlotte and I left two robes on the plane. And by the time I got back to the plane, which is like 10 minutes back to the plane because of customs, not because of TSA, because of customs, they were gone. Wow. So, and I mean, it's me and Ricky just drinking and having fun. So <clears throat> there's a lot to keep track of. But, and then of course, I always carried the belt. Right. You can't, you can't pack that. And you, once upon a time, I think there's a pretty famous story that I don't think a lot of people have heard. I don't think we've told it here on the show. You lost the big gold belt in Birmingham <laughs> once. Did you not? No, no, I lost it in Houston. Okay. And I had to go to Birmingham and find okay. it. <laughs> I, I left it in a, <laughs> I left my luggage in the trunk of a young lady whose name mentioned, who got mad at me because I was talking to another girl and left <laughs> with my gear. <laughs> so private eye, police, everybody, and heard, of course, some stooge told Herd that I had lost it. He said, I'm, I need to meet you in Birmingham. Actually, it wasn't Birmingham, it was Montgomery. Okay. I need to meet you in Montgomery. And I go, okay. He said, you better have the belt with you. I said, why wouldn't I? He said, just have it with you. I want to see it. You know, I, you know, that voice, right? Okay. Yeah. Fuck yeah. you, Jim. So... I pulled it off <laughs> and take your time. I got it back. <laughs> how does that happen? They, they ship it overnight or something or how does it get from Houston to Montgomery? I can't remember, but boy, you gotta remember in those days, I was James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> I had to be <laughs> to escape. <laughs> I guess I, are you kidding me? Good Lord. <laughs> Well, hey, this goes to show you anybody who's given uh, Chris Jericho shit about leaving the belt at a Longhorn or losing the title at a Longhorn. Rick left it in the trunk of a car once. It happens. It's just part of it. No, I left it in the hands of a young lady. <laughs> it didn't matter what her trunk. <laughs> Never leave your gear in a girl's car and then start talking to another girl. <laughs> it's one thing to get up from a bar and walk over to another girl and leave the other one sitting. That's one thing. But to have your stuff in your car and do it, probably not the wisest decision I ever made. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, well, here's a, another one from In the Worst City Ever. Um, Squish Briscoe wants to know, what was it like getting to feud with Buddy Rogers over the Nature Boy name? What promoter or booker impressed you or helped you the most? So we'll talk about the promoters secondly. The first one, though, getting to work with Buddy Rogers. I haven't spent a lot of time talking about him on on the show here. 
Well, first of all, Buddy was in his day the man. Buddy created, Buddy Rogers is the first guy to do high spots. Did you know that? I did. And he traveled around the country with a guy named Billy Darnell. Do you know that? I did not. Guy named Billy Darnell, you can Google him and look at him. And Buddy, they traveled. They had a match worked out. And it was a great match in that time frame, right? But Buddy had a phenomenal physique. He had a phenomenal look. I mean, much better physique than me. Always tan, which, you know, that that's the one thing that impressed me. Always tan. You know, nobody even thought about tanning until Lex Luger came along. Does that make sense? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, here's guys like me and Iron and Tully are laying in the goddamn suntan bed every day just trying to keep up with I mean, everybody brought something at a different time in our careers. And, um, you know, I know I know Arn, to, Arn to, to this day, I'm sure Arn still tanned. It's a habit you get. Me, I can't do it anymore because I became, I put so much of that damn spray tan on over the years that, I mean, my I, I have to had take a antihistamine now to, to put it on. It's not worth it. Wow. So if I if I don't get it off my boat and natural sun, I, I don't do it anymore. But everybody brought something to the business. I mean, uh, and then you know, getting back to Arn and I and Barry and uh, and Tully, we I'm, I'm sure we did our workout because Arn was diligent about working out. Tully was diligent. Like Tully would do the 500 free squats with me, step ups, everything. Barry would just do his own thing and. Man, we got to the building that night, and we all somehow got through our day and did our thing and went out and laughed and drank and started the next day up again, too. I can remember seeing Iron one day. I, I, we pulled up in Baltimore one day, and I, I told, I literally had, I had, about, I had about three nervous breakdowns that Iron witnessed. One, I, one, I, I, <laughs> I slept at the foot of his bed. We, we came back from that. You know the story? No. I go, <laughs> me and Iron are going to see our wives in Mexico Beach. And uh, <laughs> I said, I'm going to stay with you tonight. I was, it was that sixth day that, um, what do you call the Great American Bash on tour? Right, we'd, right, right. We'd, we'd been gone 46 days and we're going, we're, we're going to see, we're going to see our wives in Mexico Beach. And I was so flipped. I mean, I flipped a couple of times. <laughs> I said, I'm going to stay with you and, he said, yeah, what's wrong with you? I said, I don't know. I'm just not feeling right. <laughs> I think by the time it was over, I was sleeping at the foot of his bed. <laughs> oh, my. Now, now we fly down to America, and Beth has told me about this guy with his, with his elaborate boat and all this, right? We get down there, it's 110 degrees. <laughs> and Arnold <laughs> looked at the boat, and he looked at me and said, what? That doesn't even have air conditioning. <laughs> I never heard the end of that either. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> I'm sorry. I owe a lot of apologies. Oh, shit. Oh, God. Another time, Arn knew I was flipped. And we were addressing a junkyard dog around the loop, right? And Arn uh, went and rented a white van. <laughs> like a. I mean, like, I can't remember what he wrote on the side of it, but him and Kevin Sullivan, I mean, then Sullivan had to take me home from that trip, too. <laughs> I've had several nervous breakdowns along the way. It's not, it's not easy living my gimmick. My goodness. <laughs> no shit. Kevin had to take me home. 
You've had enough fun for three lifetimes. No, no, I, that wasn't fun. That anxiety is a brutal. Holy cow! <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> Beth gave me my first Xanax in 1989, and I never stopped taking them until I got back on the edibles. <laughs> now, so thanks to Ric Flair drip, no more Xanax. No more Xanax. Absolutely weaned off it. Isn't that amazing? It is amazing. Uh, it says 1989, but you have to do it proportionally. Just had to get a little piece of the edible. Yeah. You know, I mean, you can't just stop. The Xanax is addictive as shit. I would definitely recommend no one get on Xanax ever. Yes, correct. I can remember Beth handed me one. I thought, now I look back and say, what the hell were you doing with it? <laughs> Lord, I think well, about that. I never thought about that until maybe 10 years later. What? How the hell do you have a Xanax? And I don't know what it is. And I've been traveling Roddy Piper. <laughs> now that's a fair question. Who, by the way, somebody asked me a story last night about Roddy Piper, the most famous story of all Roddy Piper, and it goes just like this. He turned 30. He, over the course of the night, and Bill Eady was there. Billy, um, he drank 30 shots of Jack Daniels, and he probably snorted three grams of cocaine. Oh. And, and I don't know how many milligrams of Xanax he took, and Bill Eady, when I took him upstairs, and Bill fo- folded his clothes up and his shoes, and we left Roddy, and he woke up the next day like nothing ever happened. <laughs> the man had things to do. Oh, God. <laughs> Nobody. John Wesley Harden's what I called him. <laughs> Don't miss. The fastest gun of them all. Everybody tried him. By the way, the nasty boys... <laughs> they're still trying to catch up with them. <laughs> the uh how the funny was how funny was Brian at, at the roast at the oh, last night? Hilarious. Super fun. <laughs> the uh the Tales from the Territories production this season covered Portland and they had a lot of great stories in there about Roddy mm-hmm. Piper. They had uh Princess Victoria on there and she had a bunch of fun stories about Oh, that. I I bet she did. <laughs> I know the story, but I don't think we can share that story. No, we're not going to. We're not going to. Uh, but I knew that would make you laugh. You anyway. Talk about, you talk about when she bit him on the leg? <laughs> <laughs> the uh, My favorite thing. Uh, already talking about Puerto Rico. <laughs> I think I was remembering the Puerto Rico story. <laughs> and Terry Fung. Knock, knock. <laughs> okay. <laughs> help, help. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness gracious um they had a crockett episode and of course you weren't on that uh but but david crockett was arn anderson was baby doll was ricky morton was and ricky morton told the story at the end of the program that i had never heard before and it was about when tully blanchard went on the 700 club tully had found god and turned his life over and become born again christian and and of course, being one of the boys, Ricky Morton and his wife wanted to, wanted to watch this and support Tully and through the process of the program, as they're seated next to each other, either on the couch or laying in bed, watching it together, Tully Blanchard looks right in the camera, according to Ricky Morton and says, I'll never forget. We had been chasing all these girls and having sex outside of our marriage with all these girls and snorting cocaine. And my tag team partner and all that was Ricky Morton. And as those words fall out of his mouth, Ricky is seated 
next to his wife. Ricky's divorced now. Uh, <laughs> that was uh, not a story I had heard before. Had you heard that story about the 700 Club and Tully Blanchard? Ab- absolutely. And he, uh, you know, it's not sure why he did it, but um, he healed on me and Iron. Me and Iron were right in the middle of it, too. So what was that like, you know, when, you know, obviously we're proud that Tully's turned his life around, but boy, we're, uh, well, I, I, I think that I'm, I think that's great too, too, but you don't have to mention all, anybody else that was ever doing anything with you to, to, to turn your life around. Right. You know, and, uh, you know, if we were drinking, I, I can assure you, and I'll, I'm going to say this <clears throat> so that look, this is I make this very clear in the documentary. What I did and how I conducted myself had nothing to do with anybody else or the four right. horsemen. Right. Okay. Nobody forced me to do what I did. I didn't do it to be cool. It's just who I was. And, you know, and half the stuff that I am, am famous for is just me. It ain't Arn. It ain't Tully. It ain't Barry. It's me. Right. Famous or not famous for, or stories being told about. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I, I, I just feel like that the Tully should have should have done it without mentioning any of us. You know, you can you don't have to you don't use people as, as an example. But um, you know, I I didn't need any help getting divorced, so that it didn't cause me to get divorced. It just just me and and um, first of all, a couple of beautiful wives and beautiful mothers and a couple. Of, Bad decisions. I don't even. I don't even think about it anymore because those are the decisions I made, and they were bad. But you know, uh, and that's one thing I'm going to give to Arn again. Like I'm, I feel like I'm bragging about Arn today, but man, he kept his marriage together, and God damn it, God bless him for it. It's hard. Yes, you could be. It's hard. You could stay married. And I, I bet if you did a survey of what the people that have been married or remarried back back in our time frame, it, it's it's a ridiculous percentage of the people that, that keep it together. And Aaron Aram found a way. And once again, what I'm guilty of is nothing. Aaron Anderson wasn't guilty of that. Well, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. What you did is what you did. It's not necessarily what Aaron did. Exactly. Or Tully yeah. or Barry or yes. or anybody else. Yeah. It's what I did. So, you know, I, I, I don't, everybody just wants to put us all in the same ball. There's a reason they're making a documentary about me. I, I, what did it say? What did that guy tell me to say about me in life? Um, I'm a complicated motherfucker. <laughs> that's fair, that's right. <laughs> is that fair? Is that a roundabout statement? <laughs> No, I think that's uh, that's right between the eyes right there. I, I, I'm a complicated bitch. <laughs> yeah, when it, whenever anyone asks uh, me, <laughs> occasionally I'll get that question. Oh, What's no. it like having Ric Flair as a father? <laughs> and I'll either say interesting or complicated. <laughs> yeah, well, as soon as you got married to the boss, you, yes. were, you were yanked off the tours. <laughs> I lost my jerseys when, when that happened. I know <laughs> Once upon a time, me and you were uh, on four, and, hey, and we, would, we hey, were drinking hey, like hell. Hey, you and I were iron. You, you, <laughs> you, you and I were me and iron. <laughs> you, you took Iron's spot. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, then you got yanked off the tour. Iron got yanked off the tour, and 
I just had to carry the torch by myself. Yeah. <laughs> You're doing the Lord's work. Right to Tampa. <laughs> Uh, Let me Wong. see, Atlanta by myself or Tampa by myself? Da-da! <laughs> <laughs> you made the right choice. Tampa's more fun than Atlanta. Oh, God. Sure. oh no kidding. Except when I'm with Charles Barkley. <laughs> That's different. I agree. Uh, Rob Lang wants to know, Rick, what are your thoughts on the late, great Jerry Lee Lewis? Oh, God. I don't know. I loved him as a musician, but... I'd heard so many nights, night, so I'd met him one time and I was so excited he was coming to Charlotte. I read in a limousine and took my Reed's wrestling coach, Tom Fiaco, with me and he was four hours late for the show and played 20 minutes. So that kind of stuff right there just blew, blew my mind. Yeah. So, um, I've heard all the stories. I'm, I have no idea if those stories are true or not. I, I will tell I will say this though, the little bit that I do know is that um, if he had not, and, and, I, and I totally put this to um, um, just, just not knowing. I mean, just, just being, what am I trying to say? Um, whew. Ignorant of the fact. I mean, he got off that plane with a 13-year-old girl in England, and right. it killed him because he was he was so damn good. I mean, have you ever seen him play the piano in that in concert? I mean, geez. no, I never saw him live, but I've seen video. Well, yeah. you've seen video. I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, yeah. And that, and uh, Dennis Quaid played him in that movie. The kill. I mean, it's just phenomenal in his songs. I mean, he lit the pilot on fire. I mean, he was he was a very gifted guy. I loved his music. And all there again, I, I I don't know the answer to what happened in his life, but my personal experience with him was not good. Um, as far as going to see a concert, right? He was he was the George Jones. You know, we we used to have George Jones. You know that show? They called him No Show Jones. Yeah. So we believe it or not, Jimmy hired him. And guess what? For a Great American Bash in Cincinnati, and guess what? No show. Uh, no show. Yeah. No, no. We're still waiting for George. Yeah. Waylon, Waylon made it. <laughs> Waylon made it. George didn't. Here's now, one. Can, you know, can, now, can, uh, think about this. Can you imagine? We had Waylon Jennings and people like that playing at, at, at the Great American Bash. Kind of a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. No shit. I mean, it was so damn weird. Was, Crockett was, and Dusty were so far ahead of their time. Oh, my God. American Bash, it was sold out every every town we went to. I mean, the stadium didn't sell out, but the arenas did. Right. The war games, I mean, it was just a time in life and when when life couldn't have been better or more fun. Dusty was and, a genius, it, man. Huh? Dusty was a genius. Yeah, yeah, absolutely was. Wes Gay wants to know, what do wrestlers know about strength training, nutrition, and overall fitness that most other folks don't understand or overcomplicate? Um, I think the wrestlers now nowadays are, are almost scientists when it comes to uh, <clears throat> they put as much time into that as um, you know I used to put into drinking. Yeah, um, and it's obvious by the way they look and you know how. I mean, they're just all chiseled and um, and you know that they're, they're they're tested regularly, so it's all natural. 
I would guess 99% of it's natural. And, uh, um, I just, they, I like, I can use my daughter, Ashley, as an example. She, um, you know, has pre-meals and she conscious of her intake. Um, and I mean, to look at her, you, you can see that she just takes immaculate care of herself. And, uh, you know, we didn't do that back then in the day. You know, back then we were taking, we remember to, we were taking steroids, you know, and that really, that's basically another example of me. Um, half, half the time I couldn't remember to even take them. So why take them? You know what I mean? Right. And, that, and that's why I never looked like Luger or anybody else. Um, <clears throat> We're not advocating for it, but back in the day when you did use steroids, did you get it from a guy at the gym or did you get it under doctor supervision? Oh, back in the day, I got it from a guy at the gym. Yeah. 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 Not, not, now you get it from wellness doctors, but, you know, um, um, who knows? I just, I, I'm just the kids. It's just a different time, and it, it, it's a much healthier time, and the kids are just more conscious, and uh, and and as well they should because it, it, it it's even though wrestling has changed, it's still a physical, difficult, hard, insensitive business. Agree. And God, we get the crap beat out of each other. Maybe not to the extent that we used to in the old days, but they still beat the crap out of each other and they deserve so much credit for all they go through, especially when you remember, which is the key thing that no one seems to want to remember about wrestling. It's a year round job. Yes. It's not a season. It's not 80 games. It's not 160 games. It's a year round. It's 250 times probably plus. Yeah, what else is there to say? Every day. No time to heal. Right. You're working four days a week. And if you're a top person and you're not working uh, and, and at the arena, you're doing p- uh, media all day long while you're home on your days off. So God bless them all. They work their butts off and my hat's off to all of them. Stephen Patty, friend of the show, wants to know, what are your memories of working with Lance Von Erich? I remember reading about a match in the Aftermags in the 80s. This was probably a question because it looks like uh, Lance Von Erich is going to be in the new Von Erich movie they're making, and the rumor is that MJF will be playing Lance Von Erich. And in my research, I found that you wrestled him October 28th, 1985, at the Will Rogers Memorial Coliseum in Fort Worth, Texas. I went to a no contest at least according to my records. What do you remember about Lance Von Erich, the AKA not a real Von Erich? You don't remember it at all. Wow. There you go. I mean, if you've had 30,000 matches, you're going to, you're going to forget one or two. Yeah, I am. But I, I remember, I remember Lance Von Erich, of course, but I don't remember the match. Right. I, I probably don't, I probably only wrestled at one time in my life. Um, I certainly wrestled Kerry and, uh, and, uh, David and uh, Kevin the most. Um, I did wrestle Mike one time in Fort Worth to a sold out crowd. I told you the story. I had to beat him in 10 minutes, um, to get a match with Kerry. And at the end of the match, I had, I had him have the figure four on me. <laughs> somehow they got with somehow we still got to the match. I walked back to said, you're supposed to beat him. I said, how could I beat him? The people haven't sat, haven't sat down yet. Right. <laughs> That's what you want, the people to come, not me beat them. 
Jim Go ahead. So now, how does Rick feel about the death of kayfabe? We know how a lot of the old timers absolutely lived and died by it. And then that curtain was lifted. Rick has performed in both. Which did he prefer? <clears throat> I preferred kayfabe, but it, 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 it would be impossible now. Yes. And there's nothing that's kayfabe. Absolutely nothing that's kayfabe. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you all. Us Days at U.S. Cellular. Exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers could get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Visit uscellular.com for terms and restrictions. Uh, Hazy Malaise wants to know, could you show us how the best wrestler ever to walk that aisle, to ever travel up and down the road, rolls a joint? <laughs> Rick, what? are you getting them pre-made or do you got you figured it out and you're rolling your own now? Oh no, the pre-rolls. There you go. Rick Flair drip. Yeah. com. I, I couldn't roll them if I had to. I've wa- I've watched enough of them get rolled. <laughs> but no, uh, these are pre-rolls. <laughs> Back in the day, who was the most notorious roller? Was Roddy Piper a big roller? I know Bruce Pritchard was a roller. Who who else was a was a roller back in the day? Back in the day, who wasn't? There you go. <laughs> Wasn't really your thing, yeah. though, as much as, as no, no, was, right? no, no, no. I don't. I didn't smoke too much. I, I, the main reason was, um, um, let me try to think. Um, yeah, I'm not getting a list of names, but I mean, everybody smoked, and I, yeah. and I didn't smoke. First of all, I had asthma when when I was a kid, and it, <clears throat> I actually outgrew it. I can remember I was in. I was taking a drug called Tedrol. You can Google it legitimately for allergies, <clears throat> but, but it would give me asthma. So I smoked a little bit in college, and it gave me some anxiety. Everybody, it, it, like like anything else, everybody, it, it it affects everybody differently. And now they, now it's the, for, for people that give anxiety, they give you there's a mushroom for it, and that it takes away the anxiety. It is always, you know, a pro and a con with everything, but it's. I would the one thing I would say for sure is that I uh, I the, the I could name you be harder to name a list of who didn't smoke than it would be who did smoke. Well, I know Dr. Jake Bong Ripper on Twitter does. He says thanks for the Ric Flair drip smoke. Got some in Vegas. It was delicious. I uh, just want to see Rick's bloodiest matches. I remember them being so good. His question is, what was your bloodiest match? God, probably something with Carlos Colon over in Puerto Rico, or um, <clears throat> something with, with with me and Dusty. Just taking a guess, or me and Brody. Uh, CJ Whitmore wants to know. I was fortunate enough to have this question answered on Foley's pod, and I'd love to hear Rick's response as well. Rick, what do you think your most positive contribution to the wrestling business has been? Work ethic. Okay. I mean, whether I was sick or not, I went to work. I worked uh, for a whole year with a rotator cuff that was just killing me. And then, uh, you know, I hate to keep bringing up his name, 
when I went to the doctor and finally, I mean, I actually I had to, I had to go get an X-ray and a, and a letter to show Eric. I mean, so I could get it operated on. So that was my relationship with him. CJ Whitmore brought that question to us. And, uh, well, here's another fun one from, uh, Dave McClay. He wants to know other than yourself, who has the best robes in wrestling? Other than myself, my daughter. Oh, come on. Give me a non flair answer back in the day. Oh, oh back in the day. Oh, um, either Greg Valentine or Orndorff. And Greg used Olivia as well, right? Yes. So, so did Paul. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's how it would be. They'd order one, and I'd have to up the ante. I need one better. Paul would order one, and I'd have to order <laughs> So, But I was the first. <laughs> uh, one last one. This is from Hazard F5. He wants to know, what did you think of the big gold belt when you first saw it? Were you disappointed that they were replacing the classic, more traditional NWA title with a much bigger and bulkier belt? Or were you happy that it complemented your larger-than-life character? Um, wow. I was happy that it complimented my larger than life character. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 you know, I thought that NWA belt was, was gold. The thing of it is, is that that was the, why the, the, the belt that the hunter has now is so different and unique. It's the people that had it. Yes. You know, I mean, it, it, to be the NWA champion, this, when, when Jimmy, Jimmy had taken over basically the NWA when he had that belt made. Yes. So it was phenomenal to have it and wear it, but it wasn't the same thing as when nine people voted for you. Nine of the most powerful people in wrestling voted for you to, to be the champion. And I don't think I would have ever even gotten the opportunity if Jimmy hadn't stood behind me. Certainly wasn't Ole Anderson, <laughs> as he claims. Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy just finally held. Just said, "Hey, we're going to give somebody from my territory a shot, and it's going to be Ric Flair." And I, I thank God, you know, I thank God to this day for it. That old NWA title that now sits on the Hunter's Wall and WWHQ was held by Harley Race, Jack Briscoe, Giant Baba, Terry Funk, Dusty Rhodes. Um, Tommy Rich and of yep. course yourself. Yep. That's uh that's a who's who, man. Yep. Yep. And thank God. I mean, I, and the guys I got to wrestle with and on, from Brody to Gene Kineski to people you're mentioning, that that six year window or that ten year window that you know, the that is a difference between like me and Iron and that I mean I'm, I'm using Iron as an example because <clears throat> fair enough thing, Chris I, I'm like 10 years old and Barry Arn is all a bigger gap. Tully, yeah. Tully is closer to my age than Arn is. I think we're exactly 10 years apart. So that 10 years of my career before I met Arn and, it, and I was really, I knew Arn, but I was a, a traveling champion and I only knew Arn through traveling through Pensacola and seeing him, you know what I mean? And um, I can remember Arn's favorite wrestler back then was Dick Slater. Um, so, and Dick Slater was another real badass. God, I have, I have a damn good memory, don't I? You do. Hey man, this has been fun. And, yeah. uh, the, 
I guess we should talk about it. You know, we, we sort of, we sort of glossed over it at the top, but your Michigan Wolverines are in the college football playoff. How excited are you? Oh, well, first of all, they're going to beat TCU by 30 points. We agree. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you. I'd rather had Alabama in than that luckiest shit Ohio State. For one time, I'm pulling for Bama. Are you kidding me? Good Lord. How does Ohio State sneak back in? We beat them by 25 points. I, uh. How do you see that? Well, listen, I think it comes, I, down, I, to, it comes down to two losses. I mean, at the end of the day, that that's what it is. And I understand they're, you know, they talk about strength of schedule. Alabama was ninth in the strength of schedule. Some of the other teams that are in the playoff were like 39th. But those teams didn't have two losses. And you could argue, and I don't even think you'd be incorrect, that Alabama was the fourth best team in the SEC this year based on those two losses. But if you were to line up the four best teams, I got to think Alabama's in the conversation. Like uh, Alabama would have been favored. I, I, I see you came prepared for this conversation with that with that with that graphic. Uh, that's Steve Kaufman. That's, that's Steve. Just showing. Okay. Uh, All right. The top well, twenty-five. Well, I just, for the first time in my life, or for the first time in a while, I'm going to pull for Georgia to beat Wild State. <laughs> oh, I, I don't think that's going to be an issue. I think Georgia's the best team in football. Yeah. I think they uh, they handle OSU. And, and I know we were joking about Michigan and TCU. I'll, I'll, I'll forgive Kirby Smart for blowing me off. <laughs> I'll cheer for him. I think uh, Michigan is a nine and a half point favorite uh, on the money line. They're minus 360. I would probably take Michigan on the money line. I don't know about Michigan minus nine and a half. I know you think they're going to win by 30. I wouldn't be surprised to see TCU pull an upset, but whoever winds up playing against Georgia, it is going to be a one-sided affair. I mean, we saw Georgia and Michigan last year in the playoff and that didn't go your way, Rick. Um, Oh, you know, say, say that question one more time. Last year, Michigan lost to Georgia in the playoffs. At the time, Georgia was number three. Michigan was number two. And Georgia beat Michigan 34 to 11 in the Orange Bowl. I don't think it's going to be different this year. It'll just be for the national title, but Georgia's going to just dog walk Michigan. It won't be. Oh, oh, oh God, you got to be kidding. We finally got a quarterback. Are you kidding me? Just uh, got to find 23 other players and you're good oh, to go. Oh, yeah. Well, okay, well, guess what? Mr. Football, I did some research too. The kid, the Edwards kid, who didn't even play until uh, the kid who was a Heisman Trophy favorite when the running back that went down, Crolls. What's his name? The running back from Michigan went down. So Mr. Michigan came in and rushed for 174 yards and 150 against Ohio State. They're deep. Let's see him do it against Georgia. Oh God! I can't believe you're pulling for Georgia. I hear I'm I'm saying nice things about Alabama, and you're pulling for Georgia. <laughs> Man, there you we, see the spreads. We're, I don't we're, know we're, having, we're having. And by the way, Ric Flair is never the shits. Just you know. Yeah, we, we, you know what else is never the shits? <laughs> the wound, the woo wings. Uh, Rick woo! has a virtual concept. It's open right now. You can order woo wings. This is a real deal restaurant, y'all, that you can get food from on Uber Eats or Postmates. Uh, in Nashville, San Antonio, Charlotte, Jacksonville, Los Angeles, New York, Tuscaloosa, Huntsville, Concord, Richmond Hill, and so many others. Check out all the different locations at rickflairwings.com. If you live in one of those markets, order today on Uber Eats or Postmates app. And maybe if you own a restaurant or you've got a friend who does, just tell your favorite watering hole to go to rickflairwings.com and figure out how they too 
can have those legendary championship wings, woo wings, the only wings worthy of holding Rick's name. It's rickflairwings.com. Uh, this has been a lot of fun, Woo! man. What do you want to talk about next week, Rick? I don't know. I'm just going to keep plugging this documentary. I'll have more. I'll have more information for you along the way. Next week, we'll talk about Mean Gene a little bit. We'll do a little Ask Nate. Oh, Mean Gene, yeah, please. By, by all means, fire us off your questions about Mean Gene at To Be The Man Pod. That's at To Be The Man Pod. And uh, to celebrate this brand new documentary, we've got a brand new trailer, not the one you saw on Monday Night Raw, and we're going to roll it right now. Steve's going to let us lay out and mute us down, and then we'll go off the air with this brand new trailer from the great documentary coming out on Peacock the day after Christmas. Can I say one thing in regards to Mean Gene? Please do. Gene, mean Gene's fabulous words at around 9.45 every Monday night were, I'll meet you at the hotel bar for a Martin or two. <laughs> Nate. Let's go get a couple of clear ones, Nate. A couple of clear ones, Nate. We're going to. Be talking about uh, Mean Gene here next week on the program. But right now, Mean by God Gene. Woo! Let's see that new trailer. Ric Flair was never a character. It's been my life. The good and the bad. Fair to say, I'm a complicated man. He was ahead of his time. He was very colorful just unbelievably captivating the most prolific talker the greatest world champion of all time willing to do it his way no matter the consequences people are starting to worry about him Rick flair are you kidding me my dad has to slow down how in the hell is he doing this it was almost like he wanted to die i don't know how he survived people keep reminding me that i should be dead <laughs> Woo!